wonderful to be in the house of the Lord today and wonderful to be back with you. Uh, Frances and I didn't get to come last week. She had COVID and I was, I was uh, confined. But she's here this morning feeling much better and we're glad for that. And so thank you, Jonathan, for filling in for us last Sunday and uh, Brother Dennis on Wednesday night. Thank you so much for being here and filling in for us. Ron came to me and said, you're going to have some more time this morning. I said, we don't have a choir. And I went over and told Dennis, I said, Dennis, you can go and sing a solo. But really, when I said that to Dennis, the Lord said, you sing one. There's a song that I want to share with you this morning that talks about a much better day than the days we're having here. And I'd invite you, if you know the song, just sing along with me. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the skies. No more tears to dim the eyes. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrows there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day! Glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see and I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand, and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to read verses 3 through 10. We would ask you to stand with us out of reverence to the Word of God as we read from it this morning. Matthew chapter 27, 
beginning in verse 3. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful for to put them into the treasury, because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Wherefore that field is called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. Pray with me, please. Fathers, we stand here in your presence this morning and in the presence of these precious people. We come to bless your name, to give you praise, to give you glory, give you honor and adoration that you and you alone are God. We thank you that we sent your presence here with us this morning. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will just take charge in this service today. I pray that you would illuminate my mind, Lord, that I may think straightly. And Father, that you would anoint my lips, that I may speak the words that you would have me to speak. I pray that, Lord, that you would just help us, Father, to bring glory and honor and praise to you and declare the Word of God with boldness, Father. Lord, may you be glorified. May you be magnified in all that is said and done. We pray, Lord, if there's one in our midst today that is lost or one listening in some other way, Lord, that God, that you would speak to their hearts, that you would draw them to Jesus today. Father, we just want to tell you that we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you and be seated, please. I think I could be correct in saying that this passage of Scripture that we're looking at this morning, probably one of the most hated characters in the Bible. A man by the name of Judas. I want to remind you, we've studied some about him in prior sessions, that he was chosen by Christ to be one of the 12 disciples. He was elected by the disciples to be their treasurer, which said that he was probably one of the most trusted among them. We find in John chapter 13, where John tells us that the devil entered into him. We find what happened after the devil had entered into him. We found in the first two verses of this chapter, a couple of weeks ago, that Jesus had been arrested. Jesus had been taken before all the chief priests and the elders, and they took counsel to put him to death. They did this illegally. 
They did it in Caiaphas' house where it was not supposed to be. They did it at night when it was supposed to be done during the day. And they had bound Jesus and led him away. And they brought him. And they went through this mockery once again in the daytime to make it legal. Judas, a few days prior to that, or a few hours perhaps prior to that, had went and asked the question, what will you give me? And they covenanted with Judas for 30 pieces of silver. And Judas is the one who led that mob out to the Garden of Gethsemane. Judas is the one that was leading them there, and he identified Jesus by kissing him. And they arrested Jesus, and then all of this began to happen. And the story comes back to Judas here today. Judas had stood there evidently and had watched Jesus being tried once again. This time there in the temple. They were making it legal so that they could go before Pilate because they had no authority to put anyone to death. And as they had tried Jesus there that day, he was accused of blaspheming. They decided he was worthy of death. So they've bound him. And they're leading him now to Pilate. And Matthew inserts this here about Judas. Then Judas, which had betrayed him. This had already happened. The betrayal had already happened. Judas, which had betrayed him. And I wonder today, do we ever betray Jesus? Do we ever sell him out? Do we ever put him on the back burner rather than having him foremost in our life? Tonight we'll test a lot of people that call themselves Christians. There's a choice to be made tonight. Stay home and watch the ball game or come to the house of God and worship Jesus. And there'll be multitudes that will choose to stay home tonight and they'll betray Jesus in a way there. But I want you to see what happens. Then Judas, which betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned. Judas saw something here. Judas had stood there. Judas had watched all of this mockery. All of this illegal stuff, he led them to Jesus and no doubt followed Jesus right back to where they went and tried him. He was there at the temple that morning when they again went through this mockery of trial. And Jesus had been condemned. It says, when he saw that he was condemned. Judas saw his sin. God will see to it that we see our sin. 
God will send the Holy Spirit to convict us when we sin. Judas saw something here. He saw Jesus being bound. He saw Jesus being led away. He saw that he was condemned. Now I've, I've read several commentaries and, and other things about this this week and the last two weeks really that I've had to study on this. There's differences of opinion about why Judas did what he did. There's some that say that he expected Jesus would perform a miracle when they came to arrest him. He did that once before. If you remember, I believe it's in the book of Luke where Jesus was up on a high hill and they attempted to crowd him and push him over. And Jesus just walked right through the midst of them and left. And some Bible scholars say that they believe that Judas thought that Jesus would somehow perform a miracle here. And once again, he would escape. Once again, he would outdo them. But not this time. You see, Jesus had come to fulfill God's will. Jesus had come to be the Passover lamb. And it's Passover. The time had come for him to be crucified. The time had come for him to die for my sins and for your sins. And he was being obedient. He could have. Jesus had the power. He could have just wiped them all out there that day. He had told Peter, don't you know that I could call legions of angels and they would come and take me away? He had that power. He had that authority to call the angels of heaven. But yet Jesus had come for a purpose. and He had come to fulfill that purpose, to die for my sins and your sins. But Judas, he saw something. He saw that Jesus was condemned. He felt something. It says, when he saw that Jesus was condemned, repented himself. That's the only place in the Bible I found where it talks about somebody repented himself. And they use a different word for repent than is normally used. Repentance, true biblical repentance means to be godly sorry for what you have done and turn away from it and bring it to God and ask God's forgiveness. That's what true repentance is. But the word that is used here for repent, it meant he felt remorse. He felt guilty. He felt bad for what he had done. He repented himself. Notice he did not repent to Jesus. He did not go say, Jesus, I'm so sorry that I've done this. Forgive me. You know what would have happened if he had said that to Jesus? Jesus would have forgiven him. 
Just like He forgives you and like He forgives me when we sin. Some people think that when you become a Christian that you never sin anymore. Oh, that's a, that's a lie the devil would have you to believe. We're still in this old sinful flesh. And yes, we do sin. But the Bible says, if we confess our sins, He, speaking of God, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But Judas didn't repent to Jesus. He repented himself. He regretted what he had done. I heard a preacher say one time, he said, every alcoholic, when he sobers up, regrets getting drunk. But to turn around and go back and do it again and again and again. Why? Because they're addicted to that. Drug addicts, when they get clean, they say, I'll never do it again. But some friend comes along and offers them something and they, they take it and they're hooked again. Judas loved money, you see. He loved being the treasurer. John tells us that he was stealing money out of the treasury. He loved what money could do. He loved what money would buy. He saw an opportunity to betray Jesus and get some money. And he did it. Notice, he repented to the priest, but not to God. And let me say something on that line. Sometimes people feel guilty about what's happened in their life. And they come and say, Preacher, I want to share with you what's happened in my life. Well, I'm always glad to, to listen and to try to help them. But I always try to point them to true repentance toward God. That it's not just confessing to the preacher. The preacher can't forgive your sins. The preacher can't forgive his own sins. The preacher has to go before God and seek forgiveness for his sins too. And I always try to point them toward God and say, you need to talk to God about that. You need to tell God, don't just tell me. Tell God about it. You see, there's a catharsis that comes. Sometimes we unburden our souls sometimes by, by sharing with somebody else our deep, dark secrets. And we feel a little better. But that doesn't mean we've repented. That doesn't mean that God has forgiven us unless we've talked to God about it. Unless we've taken it to the Lord and confessed it to Him and allowed Him to forgive us. Peter tries something else here. Or not Peter, I'm sorry, Judas. 
he repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Judas attempts to make restitution for what he had done. Restitution is a good thing. The Bible teaches that, and we, we studied that not long ago in the book of Exodus about that if you've, you've hurt your neighbor some way or you've, you've damaged their materials or something of that sort, that you're to make restitution. You're to pay them for it. And here, that 30 pieces of silver. Judas brings that to the chief priests. Here, I want to give you this back. But it was too late. The damage had already been done. Jesus was already being led away. Notice what he says in verse 4. I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. He confesses. He confessed to the priest, but he didn't confess to Jesus. I have sinned. I have betrayed the innocent blood. Let me set the stage here. Put it in our modern day court system. The chief priest would be the one sitting on the judge's bench. The scribes and the Pharisees and some of those, they would be the, the lawyers out here. And there would be a jury over here. Now think about this. That Jesus had just been tried before all of these people. And they had found him guilty. They had condemned him to die. And their star witness, the one who had led them to Jesus, the one who identified Jesus, he stands up and he says, I have sinned. I have condemned an innocent man. Had those men, those religious men, let me say it that way, had they been open and honest about it and their star witness testifies, I lied about this. I condemned an innocent man. That chief priest should have said, Hey, wait a minute, fellas. Bring him back. Turn him loose. The star witness has just said he lied about it. But they didn't do that. Notice what they did do. I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. Here's what they said. What's that to us? See thou to that. That's none of our business. That's your problem. 
You see, their goal was to have Jesus put to death. And they intended to do it. Verse 5. He, Judas, cast down the pieces of silver in the temple. They're there in that temple. One Bible scholar that I read after, he said, well, Judas decided that he'd make a charitable donation. And he threw those coins into the collection basket. No. No. Judas sent those coins, scattered them in that temple. As a matter of fact, when you really get down and study it out, he threw them toward the holiest of holies. That place where only the chief priest would go once a year, and that with blood. And it was the time for the chief priest to go into the holy of holies. Passover day, remember? That was the day the chief priest was to go and to atone for the sins of the people. Judas throws those coins, those 30 pieces of silver. By the way, 30 pieces of silver. I, I looked that up again this morning and I found it there in the book of Exodus. And I, I saw something and I had heard a, a, a fellow pastor say something the other day about that the 30 pieces of silver was the price of a slave who had been gored by an ox. In other words, if a slave, a man who was under bondage, was out there working somewhere and somebody had a, a bull that, that was mean and it, it gored him with its horns, more than likely that slave would die. But the man that owned the bull was to pay the owner of the slave 30 pieces of silver. These pieces of silver, these were half shekels. This was what was brought to the temple as the temple tax. And he throws those coins. But he doesn't stop there. He went and hanged himself. He'd confessed, but it didn't help. He threw the money, but that didn't help. Judas falls into utter despair. He leaves that temple. And he goes out, and let me read it to you out of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 and verse 18. These are the words of Peter. About 40-something days later. As they come to elect someone to take 
Judas's place. He says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 18, Now this man, speaking of Judas, this man purchased a field with a reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch that field is called in their proper tongue a seldama, that is to say, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. He hung himself. Bible scholars pretty well agree on this. That he probably took the belt off of his robe and tied it around a tree limb and tied it around his neck. And he fell. And they say that probably that belt wouldn't hold his weight for very long. So it broke. And he fell down to the ground. And when he did, his abdomen ruptured. And his bowels all poured out on the ground. And they call that place a seldama, which means field of blood. Going back to Matthew, And the chief priest took the silver pieces. Can you just see them scattering through that temple, going in there and picking up those silver pieces? The chief priest took the silver pieces and said, now notice, notice their hypocrisy here. They'd just been through the sham of a trial, condemned an innocent man to death in an illegal way. And now they're concerned about the law. The chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful for to put them into the treasury. Why? Because it is the price of blood. They had went in there and got those silver pieces out. Silver pieces that had been given to God. They took God's money and they paid for him to betray Jesus. And now they've become so holy and so self-righteous. They gather up those 30 pieces of silver. And they said it's not lawful to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And I believe it's over in Deuteronomy where you'll find that. That the price of blood was not to be brought to the temple of God. Nor the price of a dog was to be brought. Well, they take counsel. They figure out, we've got to do something with this. We can't put it back in the treasury. What are we going to do with it? 
perhaps one of them come up with the idea. You know, there's, a, there's an old field over here. It's called the potter's field because that's where the people who do pottery, they go and dig the clay out of there. But this is a spent field. They, they dug all the clay. And they've got down to where it's no good for that anymore. Why don't we take those 30 pieces of silver? Let's do something for the community. Let's go over there and buy that. And then when a stranger comes into town and he dies, we'll bury them there. We'll make a cemetery. You know where that's located? Right next door to Caiaphas' house, the high priest. It's still there. Wherefore, that field is called the field of blood unto this day. But this was done to fulfill Scripture. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord had appointed me. There's something that we need to understand here in these verses of Scripture. Matthew refers to Jeremiah. That this was written in Jeremiah. It's actually written in Zechariah. And I wondered, did, did Matthew just make a mistake? Until I got to researching it out and I found something. You see, the Jewish Bible, it was laid out in three parts. There was the law, the first five books of the Bible. Then there was what they called the writings, which included the Psalms and Ruth and all those other books that are there. And then the prophets. And in the way their scriptures was laid out, Jeremiah was the first book of their prophets. And as they referred to this, as, as Matthew refers to it, what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, he was saying this is found in the book of the prophets. And Zechariah was a lesser of prophet than Jeremiah. So they would usually refer to the major prophet. So it was in that whole collection of prophecy, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, right on down through Zechariah and Malachi. But you'll actually find it in the book of Zechariah. But this was a fulfillment of a prophecy that had been spoken. In the book of Jeremiah, we also find 
about pottery. You, you, you remember that. And it says, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord had appointed me. What can we gain from this passage of Scripture today? What can we learn from it? In my studies, I, I run upon something. Four major reasons why people commit suicide. I, I thought back through my 50 plus years in ministry. And I remember at least two funerals that I've done that were by people who committed suicide. And oh, how, how broken the people was at that funeral. And I found this four major reasons why people commit suicide. The first one is revenge. Someone has been hurt and they want to get back at the person who hurt them. I had the funeral of a 19-year-old young man on Christmas Eve. He had went to her house, took her a gift, Somehow they got into an argument. He came home. Walked in a bedroom. Got a 12-gauge shotgun. And walked out on the porch and put that shotgun right in his abdomen. And somehow pulled the trigger. They rushed him to the hospital and they put 60 pints of blood through him that night. Trying to save his life. but he died. At that funeral that day, his girlfriend tried to crawl in the casket with him. They had to restrain her. That family was weeping and wailing like no, I'd never heard. It was done out of revenge. She had hurt him. He wanted to hurt her. The second reason, sometimes people desire to be with a loved one who's passed away. They're lonely. They can't seem to cope with it. And I think it's better just to get out of my misery. The third reason is to escape a sickness or disease. Dr. Kevorkian, you remember him? They called him Dr. Death. He was known for giving people lethal doses of medicine so they would die quicker. Think about it. They couldn't, couldn't bear the pain of the disease. But if they were a non-Christian, think of how much more of the pain of hell would be. And if they were a Christian, how they shortchanged 
what God could do in their life. The fourth one is self-retribution. They believe they deserve to die. They've done something so hideous, and I think this is what Judas did. They've done something so hideous. And their unbelief and their sin. They believe they deserve to die. So as an act of rebellion against God's sovereign right over life and death, they take their own life. There's other reasons, especially a lot of people that get into witchcraft and demonic worship. You see, the devil wants to take your life. He wants you to die lost. He wants you to spend eternity in hell. But that's not God's desire for you at all. It's not His desire that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's desire. I don't know what God may have said in your heart today, what He may have pointed out. I don't know how this scripture might help you or might scare you. I don't know. But I can say this. That God loves you. God wants you to live for Him. God wants you to live with Him in heaven. And you can only do that through Jesus Christ, God's only Son. The one that hung between the heavens and the earth to pay our sin debt. As they come with a hymn of invitation this morning, as we bow our heads in prayer, Father, may your Holy Spirit move among us today. May your Holy Spirit bring that holy conviction in our hearts, Lord, that will cause us to stop betraying Jesus, that will cause us to earnestly repent and get our hearts right with you. There may be some here today who are lost and they want to be saved, but they don't know how. Well, Lord, just give them the unction to come on and help us to share with them how they can be saved. There may be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ today. Somehow, some way, as Judas saw his sin that we've begun to see ours. And Lord, we don't like what we see. And we don't want to keep that in our life, but we want to turn from it and get back where you want us to be. May your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray.